we tend to isolate ourselves. So isolation is also common in the veteran community. And isolation is a very dangerous place for our mind. When we're isolated, we certainly don't have that team that camaraderie. And we certainly don't feel like we're serving a purpose bigger than ourselves. And those two particular items are so important in life that when we focus on antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication, what we're trying to replace are the same chemicals, the oxytocin and serotonin that are developed in us when we are serving a team, when we have a purpose, when we feel love and trust. So if we're isolating ourselves, we are removing that important part of our brain chemistry by not feeling loved, not feeling that trust. Welcome. I am your host, Dino Cattaneo, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People, the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspiration and tips on how to become a better leader by being your true self, you're in the right place. Last week, we talked to Melissa Kwan, founder and CEO of eWebinar. Melissa told us about why she chose the path to be a bootstrapped entrepreneur and how she designed her company to have the freedom to live as a digital nomad. Today's episode is a little different. It comes out on the week when in the US we celebrate Veteran Day. Now, you may remember that in January of 2022, in episode 27, I interviewed Brandon Harding, a Navy chaplain. After the interview, Brandon and I stayed in touch, and he introduced me to 23rd Veteran, an organization that he's involved with. 23rd Veteran provides a very unique mental health program that helps veterans who deal with trauma. In the past two years, I had the opportunity to volunteer as a coach for a small portion of a couple of the programs, and I have been very impressed by the impact that this program has on those who participate. So for this week, in order to celebrate Veteran Day in a more concrete way, I invited Brandon and Mike Waldron, the founder of 23rd Veteran, to come on the show. In our conversation, they explain what's unique about their program and why what they're doing is important. They share some of the broader challenges that veterans face, and we talk about some of the key leadership lessons that they got from being in the military. I hope you're inspired. And maybe if you're listening to this and you want to celebrate Veteran Day a little more this week, do something for a veteran you know, or contribute to an organization that helps veterans. You know, and if you decide to go that way, consider 23rd Veteran. Thank you and enjoy the conversation. Mike and Brandon, it's great to have you with me today. Thank you. Appreciate you having us on. Brandon, I always start my episodes asking people to give me their background. We have an extensive background with you in my old episode. So I'm going to have Mike start. Mike, why don't you tell us your story, how you came up to found 23rd Veterans, and you can take as little or as long as you want. So I, I grew up, I had a wonderful childhood. I grew up in, in Minnesota, and I was a, a great kid, that I, which I would consider until high school. I fell into some alcohol and drug abuse. And I didn't see a strong future for myself. I wasn't sure where my friends group was heading after high school. College was not in the cards. A career didn't sound interesting at the time. So I joined the Marine Corps. I figured the Marine Corps is either going to straighten me out and I'm going to be a much better human being in the future, or I'll die doing something purposeful. And both of those options seemed better than where I was headed. So that's, that's what led to my military career. My career was short in the military. I wanted to be in for four years. I was in for four years and I got out. I participated in the initial invasion in Iraq in 2003. And about 2008, I fell into some severe symptoms of combat stress or PTSD. I experienced things before that. I, I had a loss of emotions. I had 
a lot of nightmares. Uh, but it was 2008 that the panic attacks began, and that was really difficult to live with. Uh, it got to the point that I was having multiple panic attacks every day, and this lasted for about five years. So life between 2008, 2012, 13 was was really, really difficult for me to live. And the only thing I was looking forward to was was being asleep, uh, just so I didn't have to be awake. And I found a way out of that around 2012, 2013. And it was through, we'll call it a modality that wasn't being offered for me. I was uh, seeking help throughout those years, but it just seemed like the help that was being offered wasn't helping me. Uh, so when I realized what worked for me, which was a combination of socializing and fitness, and I was able to pull out of that like fog of combat stress and anxiety and depression, it became super clear to me why I was having these panic attacks, like my triggers, or my fears that had developed in the Marine Corps were related to these events that was were happening over the past five years, which were causing my body to go into a sympathetic nervous system or fight or flight mode. And I didn't know I was in fight or flight mode. I just thought I was dying because I was shaking and I was breathing heavy and my chest was cramping and my heart's racing. I, just every day, I just thought I was dying and panicking about it. So pulling out of that, realizing that I had these fears that were locked into my subconscious, I did a lot of studying on our brains. Clearly, my brain changed in combat. So why, why did that happen? Why do brains change? Like what causes some memories to be stored stronger than other memories? And then what was it about the socialization and the fitness that was helping me? I learned a lot about our memory and a particular chemical and it's actually a whole myriad of chemicals that are released during our uh, spike in our heart rate that allows us to remember things better because our heart rate is up. So if my heart rate was up in a traumatic experience in combat and that allows my subconscious to remember these fears, what if I get my heart rate up on my own? Can I reprogram that subconscious? Can I grow strong memories because I got my heart rate up? And that is true. Anytime we have our heart rate above an aerobic state for 20 minutes, we get our maximum levels of what I call memory steroids. So with all this information and then talking with my friends from the Marine Corps who were struggling with the same symptoms that I had and they weren't finding a way out, I felt like I had a solution not the solution, but it was a solution. It worked for me. It'll probably work for some others. And I felt like I could help them. And because I felt like I could, I felt like I was obligated to. So 2015, I decided to quit my career, cashed in the retirement, sold a bunch of my toys and put it all into the nonprofit organization to get 23rd Veteran going so that we could grow it and eventually grow these, these programs to serve other veterans and my friends that I had spent time with in the Marine Corps. So got together with a positive psychologist and psychotherapist and some other uh, professionals to, to put a 14-week immersive program together to retrain our brains to relate those negative fears to new positive memories. What are the core elements of the program? The very first thing we do is a camaraderie building trip. So it's pretty consistent that studies show the most successful factor in any type of group therapy is group cohesion. So our group cohesion, the way we bond, is on an outdoor wellness adventure. Uh, so we have different organizations we work with around the country, and one of those is one that Brandon Harding is involved in called We Are, we Are Open Circle. So we find a dozen veterans that had experienced something traumatic in the military, and they can be serving still. 
put them on an airplane, which is often a very scary event for somebody who's been isolated and don't trust other people. And they're sticking them on an airplane with a bunch of folks they don't know. We're sending them to a distant state where they've never been, and they're going to survive in the outdoors together for a week. Uh, so some of these, this next one coming up will be sailing in the Florida Keys. Sometimes we go backpacking in the Pacific Northwest or in Sequoia National Forest. We've been to Alaska and lived on a glacier for a week. So they're very, can seem like intense outdoor wilderness adventures. And when we're on them, it's incredible how enjoyable it is and how much camaraderie we build uh, during that trip. So then when we come back from the trip, so that's element number one, that's week one, group cohesion. We come back from that trip, we go back to our daily lives but we meet up together three times a week for the next 13 weeks. So every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we meet up at a functional fitness gym where we do a one-hour workout, coach-led. The whole purpose of this workout is to get our heart rate up. Of course, just like the outdoor wellness adventure, there's a lot of benefits beyond group cohesion. When we're working out, there's a lot of benefits beyond our memory steroid, but that's what we're after. We get our heart rate up. So for the next four hours, we can remember things a lot better. And we sit down in our sweat right there on the gym floor. And that's where we go through our psychology sessions together. And then on the weekends, we do what we call fury training events. Uh, we're hitting the common fears that are developed in the military. So we'll start with a crowded environment because after the military, it is very difficult to trust people in the civilian world, especially if we were in a hostile environment. We learn not to trust anybody unless they're on our team. And that doesn't change just because we fly back to where we're from. So we go to a restaurant. We want to have our back to the wall. We want to see who's entering and exiting the doorway. We're assessing for weapons. We don't have our team to help anymore. So it's a lot of social anxiety. So we take this, this team, this tight team we built, and our memory steroid, and we go to a restaurant. And we sit there during a crowded environment. We bring our loved ones. We do our gratitude. We're having fun. We're intentionally joking around. So on a subconscious level, we can remember a restaurant as a fun and trusting environment rather than an environment full of possible enemy. And then the last element of this is adding civilians. It's really difficult for a lot of people after the military to identify as a civilian. And if we don't identify as a civilian, in my experience, like personally in the Marine Corps, it was probably seven times a day I heard the words nasty civilian. That was drilled into me for four years. So getting out, I didn't want to be a nasty civilian. I'm not like these people. Well, it's so hard to, to be successful in an environment when you don't identify with the other people in that environment. So we add civilians. We learn that we really are the same individuals. We're all people. We just had a different experience in life. And it's been a very successful part of the program where a few days before we add the civilians, we'll challenge to the veterans. Say, hey, we've got these people joining. They are joining a functional fitness gym, maybe a CrossFit gym that they've never been to. They're joining this group of veterans and military members that have built this type on. So they're going to feel very out of place. It's up to you to use your skills. We do some like Dale Carnegie style training, friendship training. Use these skills to welcome the civilians on our team and make them feel like they're part of the team. And in doing that, we also learn how to welcome ourselves amongst the civilian team. So then after, after this program, we have those tools that we can take to school or to work or to our community environment. That's great. And Brendan, Mike mentioned you got involved through Open Circle. What is your role and what are some of maybe the core elements of how you get involved with it? I believe you're 
mostly through the expeditions. Is that correct? Yeah, it has been recently. Originally, I got introduced to Mike. I'd been leading expeditions for the Marine Corps in North Carolina with the active duty component with a mutual friend of ours, Anthony Droz. We sort of had developed a, a wilderness expedition for Marines that were on active duty so that they could experience this while serving. And Anthony introduced Mike and I a few years ago. And so I started doing some pro bono coaching with veterans that were going through the through the program. And then last year, I was able to take do the first wilderness program with with 23rd Veteran, and it, it was amazing. So we took a group out. The first group was in the Southern Sierras, um, and it, it, it was an epic adventure. <laughs> I think the, the key, a couple of key elements that help with that bonding is, one, uh, we go off the grid. There is no digital distraction for an entire week. So all of the participants that go, we ask them to put away their phone. Um, sometimes they like literally like will put it in a place and it's locked up for a week. And so they don't have access to it. For the first group that we did with Mike, we had, um, or with the 23rd veteran group, we had them double bag their phone and then wrap it twice in duct tape and then bury it at the bottom of their pack. So if they wanted to get to it, they could. It was kind of left to them to have a choice about it. But within the first you know, hour or two, they all decided, hey, we're not going to get access. We're not going to choose to get access to it. And so what that does is it frees people up to begin to interact with other people. So like a quick example, you go to the grocery store, you're standing in line while you're waiting to buy your things. And you look around and almost invariably everybody standing in that line will, pr- will pull out their phone and scroll Instagram or play Angry Birds or something. Well, when you go out to the mountains, there's not that ability. So you're sitting around and now you've, got, you've actually got to start interacting with people. And then one of the key things that we do is we have this, it's, it's, we call it a fireside chat, but it's actually a structured way of having a, a conversation with a prompt around something that's challenging. And so these guys and gals, as they gather around the fire at night, they begin to kind of like process and unload some of the things that they've experienced. And that creates this kind of intimate vulnerability around a campfire with no one else around. And so they're able to share and disclose and talk things through and that vulnerability created around these campfires, I think, serves as the basis of a lot of that bonding and that connection that takes place over the course of the week. And we're doing hard stuff together. Um, we're not making it like, you know, going to Army Ranger School or boot camp or anything like that. But we are doing some backpacking and going, you know, clear up into the mountains um, where it is physically challenging. And I would say every group that we've taken, even the ones that were pretty fit would say they were surprised at how hard it was like they didn't anticipate it being as challenging as it as it was and i think there is something to that you have a shared hardship that you're going through together so that's kind of serves as the basis is this week off the grid no phone and we really intentionally try to create an intimate psychologically safe environment for these guys and gals to really begin to to talk real authentically about their experiences. Because one of the things that I think most veterans will tell you, the thing that they miss most 
about being in the military is they miss that sense of camaraderie, that sense of esprit de corps, like really being a part of a team. And they lose that when they leave the military. And so we're, we're trying to help them recreate that sense of belonging and connection that they felt while they were serving. And then, then that's built and reinforced over the 13 weeks when they come back. So, you know, we, we have them in the woods for a week and then we send them back to Minnesota or Philadelphia for the group that we had in June. And then now they're able to continue that for 13 weeks. You mentioned that the loss of the sense of camaraderie and belonging and really kinship in a team is one of the biggest challenges that veterans face when they re-enter civilian life. What are some of the other common challenges that, you know, for for people like me who are civilians and who are listening right now, that we may not be aware challenges that veterans face when they come back in. Well, those are the the two big ones that you just talked about uh, the the camaraderie that we miss amongst surveyed veterans. That's the number one thing missed leaving the military is that the brotherhood of the camaraderie. Number two thing missed is that sense of purpose, serving something bigger than ourselves. And I can add on to that with the, the fears that we develop. So when we have these two items that are, that are particularly missed, and then we try to go into a new community group, or like I mentioned, like a restaurant or go have fun with friends again, and we find that we have all this social anxiety or panic when, when we're being triggered by civilians or just driving down a road, we tend to isolate ourselves. So isolation is also common in the veteran community. And isolation is a very dangerous place for our mind. Um, when we're isolated, we certainly don't have that team, that camaraderie, and we certainly don't feel like we're serving a purpose bigger than ourselves. And those two particular items are important, so important in life that when we focus on antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication, what we're trying to replace are the same chemicals, the oxytocin and serotonin that are developed in us when we are serving a team, when we have a purpose, when we feel love and trust. So if we're isolating ourselves, we are removing that important part of our brain chemistry by not feeling loved, not feeling that trust. You talked about love and trust as a really important component of the experience that people have in the military while serving. And I, I don't think that maybe most people would start with that, you know, who outside who are not aware of how it works. There's a lot of myth and stereotypes about the leadership lessons that you get from serving that tend to be pretty superficial. You know, with your experience in the Marines, what are some of the sort of the deeper leadership lessons that you've have experienced that you feel you've carried out in the world if you will yeah specifically my experience in the marine corps i would say what influenced me the most was leading by example uh that that was such an important part of my military experience and of the leaders that i followed the most it was difficult to follow a leader that would just bark orders but wouldn't get in the weeds from time to time i know as a as a leader that's not your role to be in the weeds, but to get in there time to time and, and just show that you're willing to, to, to put in the, the effort and do the things that are difficult to do. Decisiveness is another one. 
And sometimes I've noticed on the civilian side of things that can come off pretty intimidating. If somebody is decisive and very confident in that decision, I, I've noticed it's uh, the way that we go about it or the way that a military member communicates that can be intimidating for somebody who has an experienced military environment. Um, but at the same time, I think it's a really good leadership trait to have. As you started building 23rd Veterans, what were some of the, of the key principles, if you will, that came from your experience that you decided to embed in the organization and, and how you are working with people that work with you in there? It was a decent amount of time between me getting out of the military and me starting this organization. So I was influenced by quite a few uh, different experiences in education and life that went into creating 23rd Veteran. I went to school for business. Uh, that's when my bachelor's degree was in. I worked for the federal government for, for another six years after that. So it's, it's kind of tough for me to put my finger on what exactly from the Marine Corps uh, shaped what I do in 23rd Veteran. I know when starting the organization, there were some values that were very important to me. And those are still our values in the organization. They're on our about page of the website. They're the first thing that somebody sees when they apply for the organization. The first thing in a job description, like these are the values that we follow. Uh, and that's gratitude, where I, I wouldn't say that I learned about that in the, in, in the Marine Corps. That's more from positive psychology studies, the importance in being grateful. And I, I could go deeper into that if you'd want. And then compassion. We're, we're definitely built in compassion for serving the people we're looking to serve. When somebody's struggling in life, it's difficult for them to be compassionate. It's easy for them to take out their struggles or their angers or their frustrations on those closest to us. And we're putting ourselves in that situation. We want to be those closest to them. We want to be the ones that they trust. We want to be the ones that they, that they think about when they're having a hard time. And if we're not being compassionate when they are not being compassionate to us, you know, if we're, if we're reciprocating anger or frustration with them, they're not going to trust us. It's going to be very difficult to help pull them out of isolation when the time comes, uh, when they're ready for that. Uh, that's our compassion, then our authenticity. So authenticity is one of our values. And that's along the same lines. If we are not authentic with somebody who we want to serve, they most likely are never going to take part in our program. So we're not going to be able to serve them. So if we want to help people, we need to be vulnerable. We need to be authentic ourselves. And even when that's uh, difficult authenticity, and it speaks volumes to people, especially coming out of the military. How do you measure for you personally the success? And what are you looking for long-term for the organization? My original thought when starting the organization was I wanted to help my friends. I knew I wouldn't start the organization just to help them. Uh, figure out how to grow this program, how to make it scalable so I could one day get there. So success for me happened in 2019 when I had two I think 2019, then 2021, I had two people that I served with take part in the program. Um, so that was, that was definitely a, a large chunk of success. Um, getting the organization to a place where it can run without me. So from day one, I've designed this and I've wanted this organization to be its own entity. I don't plan on making a retirement off of this. And I know one day I won't be here anymore. And I want the organization to still be here. And I am not. And we are really close to that. We're really close for it. If I, I feel like if something tragic happened next week, there's a pretty good chance that the organization would survive without me. 
That's great. And how does, if you don't mind, how is your organization funded and supported? And, you know, if people want to help, what can they do? We have grown off of in-person fundraising events. It's pretty unusual for an organization to grow to a medium size. I don't, I don't know if, if medium is the right size to call us, but it's those peer-to-peer fitness events, ruck marches. So somebody doesn't know what a ruck march is. It's a military training exercise. We put on our packs and our weapons and our food and water, and we just go for a long hike with everything we would need in combat. That hike can be up to a marathon or more in length. So we do a civilian version of that. That's where people put food and clothes in a backpack, whatever kind of backpack they have, and they show up and they do a hike up to 10 miles with us. At the very end of the hike, they weigh the backpack to see how much they carried, and then they donate those items to locals in need. But when they sign up for this event, they get a fundraising page. So it's peer-to-peer fundraising, and they're asking friends, family, business members for donations. Uh, we also do some sponsorships in it. And we'll, we'll raise anywhere from $25,000 to $150,000 at, at one of these events. So that's a very fun way to get involved in fundraising. Uh, it's, it's neat. You get to hike alongside of veterans and military members. You get to hike alongside of people who've gone through the program. And we even have identifying emblems so you know who, who's been in the military or who's taken part in the program. You have conversations with them like, why, why are we raising this money? Well, you can walk for a mile with someone and ask, ask their experience in the, in the organization. Uh, otherwise, obviously, you can just jump online. There's donation buttons online to get involved that way or have companies sponsor. Another one is if someone's part of a larger company or organization or university that has veterans they want to serve with this program, there's ways that we can bring this program to them. So if their company has a dozen veterans that they would be supporting with maybe a time off the week in the mountains or the week on the, on the sailboat, wherever it might be. And then also support Monday, Wednesday, Friday, then being in the, in the fitness and psychology programs, we can bring it to them wherever and whenever it works for them. Uh, definitely reach out on 23rdveteran.org to learn more or to, to ask more questions about that. That's fabulous. Well, Mike, thank you so much for the work that you're doing for the community that you're serving. You know, in general, uh, what are some of the things in a broader way that people and civilians should think about and consider more as they think about how to support veterans that are reintegrated in in society? I'm going to fall back on on what one of our values are on that and the authenticity. When a veteran, say they enter a workplace with you or they enter you know, a, a school that you're attending or a group to be the first person that can be authentic and vulnerable in front of them will build trust really quickly. And that's what's really needed amongst a lot of our veterans is learning that they can trust civilians. They can trust people in their groups. It's in what Brandon talked about in the, the discussions, the fireside chats they have and like sparking that vulnerability in those those deeper conversations is what helps build a lot of this cr- this group camaraderie, feeling like an intellectual safe space. If you can be the person that begins that with the veteran, I think that's what would keep the veteran coming back, keep them in the workplace, keep them back, coming back to that group environment. That's one one takeaway I can come up with for you. If you'd like more, I can I can do that as well. Brandon, do you have any any thoughts? Yeah, I think I would just echo what Mike said there is that sometimes, you know, you can prejudge someone, whether it's a civilian, a military member, you know, whatever. There's there's lots of prejudgments that go on around us as someone new comes into an organization. So 
So I think setting the prejudgment aside and just saying, okay, this person has a story. I wonder what their story is. And just being curious and interested in them as a human being and inviting them to tell their story. There's a little phrase that I I like to say that says, every person has a story and every story is sacred. And if we treat people that way, that veteran or whoever, you know, whatever that person's background is, if you come across as genuinely interested and curious in that person and allow them to begin sharing their story and, you know, kind of that mutual vulnerability takes place, that's, I think that's the beginning of what really helps anyone feel like they belong and are welcome. And that's really what we're trying to do is trying to help people from all different walks of life feel welcome and like they belong. And that just creates a better society. I think this is a beautiful place to finish our conversation. Once again, thank you very much for the time and thank you so much for the work that both of you are doing. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you having us on. Good conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, find a friend who may enjoy it and tell them that they should listen to it. And if you really like the show, tell your friends and post about it on social media. Every little bit helps. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any episode. And if you listen on a platform that allows reviews like Apple Podcasts, Audible, Good Pods, please leave us a stellar rating and a review. Five stars all the way. Stick around because after the credits, I'm going to play a song by Susan Cattaneo, one of Boston's best Americana singer-songwriters. If you know a veteran who may benefit from the program or want to support the work that Mark and Brandon are doing with 23rd Veteran, go to their website, 23rdveteran.org, spelled number two, number three, R-D-V-E-T-E-R-A-N.org. For more information on the episode and all the links, go to the website, al4ep.com, spelled with the number four. You can email me at dino at al4ep.com. Please follow the podcast on any social platform you're on. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at AL4EDP with the letter D. On Facebook, look for Authentic Leadership for Everyday People. This episode was produced by me, Dino Cattaneo, with additional edits by Pro Podcast Solutions. It was recorded remotely using Squadcast.fm. The theme music was composed, produced, and arranged by Nicolas Cattaneo, who also played keyboards and drums, with Tony Savarino on guitar and Jesse Williams on bass. And now... Here's a song by Susan Cattani. It's a song about supporting people when life is rough. It's called Better Day. Make it through the never-ending hour.
Sometimes you'll cry, sometimes you'll rage, sometimes you'll laugh, sometimes you'll pray.